Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the fifth installment of MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, based in the magic city of Billings, Montana. Joining us from the Queen City of Helena, Political Director Jake Brown, and from Bozeman, Deputy Director Whitney Tawney. Hey, guys, I am so excited about our episode today because we have Rafe Graybell, who's running for Attorney General, joining us for our interview portion. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, our state PAC MCV Action Fund actually this week just endorsed uh, Rafe for his campaign for Montana Attorney General, along with uh, Monica Trinnell, who is a candidate for the Public Service Commission. Um, both really, really exciting endorsements because we're doing them in a primary and we're getting behind the champions now. And so we're all really, really excited about it. We'll hear from Rafe in a moment, but first a few headlines from this week, beginning with a follow-up to last week's show. That's when we heard from Pepper Peterson and Ted Dick of New Approach Montana. That's the campaign trying to secure permanent state public lands funding through the regulated and taxed sale of recreational marijuana for adult use. Here's Pepper Peterson. We've uh, proposed sending those marijuana tax dollars to various programs in Montana, funds for veterans, healthcare, education, infrastructure, and of course, conservation efforts. A substantial amount of our funds are designated to go to public lands and um, to make sure that Montanans can continue to enjoy our public lands. Well, this week, New Approach Montana was in court in Missoula to make two cases. The first was to allow for electronic signature gathering via DocuSign, given the limitations of social distancing. An attorney for the campaign, that would be Jim Malloy, argued that electronic signatures are allowable for courts, legal proceedings, and other transactions, so why not ballot initiatives? The other asked from New Approach Montana to extend the deadline for signatures a few weeks to August 3rd. Right now, that deadline is in June, and New Approach Montana needs 25,468 signatures to legalize adult use of marijuana and almost 51,000 signatures to change our state's constitution to define that adult use for people 21 and over. New Approach was in court to make its case against the Montana Secretary of State's office. And remember, Secretary of State Corey Stapleton has had a tough time doing his job and is now running for Congress. Anyway, Missoula County District Court Judge John Larson did not make a ruling, which means we'll keep following this story. Jake, what else is uh, making news across the state? Thanks, Murph. Attorneys for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers are asking a federal judge in Great Falls, Judge Brian Morris, for a reversal of his decision to cancel a key water crossing permit for the Keystone XL pipeline. Our listeners might remember that two weeks ago, Judge Brian Morris ruled that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers had failed to consider impacts of the pipeline on endangered species like the pallid sturgeon. Now the Corps of Engineers is seeking a reversal on that decision. So while we might have had a victory in blocking KXL, it's a good reminder that it may have only been temporary, and we're going to have to continue organizing around this issue if we're going to want to stop the pipeline for good. Yeah, Jake, we'll keep uh, we'll keep tracking that as well. Um, our friends at the National Wildlife Federation just released a report called, quote, Unchecked Energy Development and the Future of Hunting Across the West. It is most definitely worth a look, and there's a link to it in our show notes. One of the key takeaways, in 2017 alone, more than 11 million acres of public land were offered for lease for oil and gas development. The document also looks at three of BLM's resource management plans, or called RMPs, including a plan for nearly 630,000 acres of public land near Lewistown and the Missouri River in central Montana. 
in that plan, which is also in our show notes, the Bureau of Land Management would open 91% of its acreage in the region to potential oil and gas development, something we are tracking very closely here. Nationally, hunting generates $27 billion in consumer spending every year, and hunting and fishing-related businesses employ 438,000 people across the country. Another thing that is making me super mad this week is a handful of Republican state legislators might have just halted a rule that would have limited the amount of radioactive oil and gas waste that can be allowed in landfills across the state. Uh, On Monday of this week, during an interim Environmental Quality Council committee, a handful of legislators objected to a rule that the Montana Department of Environmental Quality had been working on for over eight years, along with a public stakeholders group. Um, This rule would have essentially limited the amount of radioactive material, uh, oil and gas waste that a truck could dump into a landfill with the appropriate permits. Just a little bit more about this rule, it, it actually came about when folks started to realize that oil and gas companies in North Dakota were actually driving their radioactive waste into Montana to dump because surprisingly, North Dakota has more stringent regulations on radioactive waste than Montana does. Our friends at Northern Plains Resource Council and their members in Eastern Montana have been working on and really been leading on this issue for over eight years. Uh, They were understandably pretty shocked when Republican legislators who even admitted that they didn't even know much about the issue, voted to block the rule. Um, The same Republican legislators even went as far to say that our state should actually increase the amount of radioactive waste companies can dump. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Hopefully this is an issue that should get everyone mad. Um, These legislators essentially want to make it easier for North Dakota gas and oil companies to dump their waste in Montana. Senator Mike Lang, the chair of the committee, not surprisingly, he's received over $2,000 from oil and gas in Montana from the Montana Petroleum Marketers, to ExxonMobil, BP North America, Denver Resources, and even the Wilkes family. So it's pretty clear that these legislators actually care more about keeping their donors happy than they do about protecting working families in Montana. I'm super excited to be joined by my friend and now MCV endorsed candidate Rafe Graybell, who is running for Montana's Attorney General. Rafe is a fifth generation Montanan, but he hails from Bright Falls and is currently the chief legal counsel for our governor, Steve Bullock. Rafe is a graduate of Columbia University, Yale Law School, and Oxford University, where he was a Rhodes Scholar, something I didn't know until former Governor. Brian Schweitzer's recent endorsement op-ed is that Rafe also served as an auxiliary police officer with the NYPD while he studied during college. And before joining Bullock's team, Rafe worked for the United States Court of Appeals and in private practice as a lawyer. Rafe is also endorsed by the Montana Federation of Public Employees, and he and his wife, Marissa, have a one-year-old daughter, Genevieve. Gigi, who's about the same age as my Henry, so I can't even imagine the level of juggling that's going on right now. Rafe, what made you want to be a lawyer in the first place? Well, th- thanks, Whitney, and it's it's really fun to to get to visit with you, not in our not in our normal friend capacity, but also here uh, through MCV. So thanks for having me on today. Um, you know what what really originally made me decide to go to law school was I I've had a long time interest in public service. And in trying to to make sure that that our values are represented in government, 
And in doing some work there, volunteering and kind of poking my head around, um, I decided I really, really want to put a, put my skills to work as an advocate. And the way I saw that working out best for me was was to go to law school and be an attorney. And you know, I really think everyone has a, has a different set of skills and a different role to play when it comes to public service and being part of your community and giving back. And, and for me, that was going to law school. And, and what really excites me as a lawyer advocate is uh, there is this bounded system of rules, the legal system. But if you work hard and you are creative and you have your work reflect your values, um, you can get real differences and you can you can get real results. And that that has really been rewarding to me in my own career. And it's the kind of thing where you don't have to wait on compromises. You don't have to wait on legislatures to bargain things down. Um, when the law's on your side, you can go to court and you can get results now. And that's you know I think that's part of what makes the attorney general job so special. It's also what really motivates me in my personal life as an attorney. Uh, you've been news a lot lately, so let's take a listen. Fresh off the campaign trail, candidate for Montana Attorney General Rick Grable joins us here in studio. One of five candidates. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us this morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. The first thing I wanted to ask is why did you decide to enter this race? Well, I, I work in government now as the governor's chief legal counsel, and you know, from that job, I've gotten to see where the attorney general really has worked for us and hasn't. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a radical belief. I think that I'm running for attorney general because it's time for an attorney general who really meaningfully works for us. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you a little story. Um, I worked on a case about a year ago with a family out in Weibo, the ranchers. And they were part of this program where if they agreed to let hunters and fishers on their land mm -hmm. and not to build condos on their land, they could stay on their ranch. And this is the kind of program that dozens and dozens of ranchers in Montana right. have done. It took our attorney general getting in the way and us taking our attorney general to court to help this family out for me to realize this is a job that makes a real difference in people's lives. And if they do the right thing, it can be a really great, meaningful force in people's lives. But in this case, when it came to this family and the future of their ranch, the attorney general got in the way. So tell me more about how the land board plays a role in protecting our public lands and our property rights that make Montana, Montana. Well, I think it plays a huge role. And I think the attorney general in particular has both a special duty to protect our public lands and promote conservation through the land board, and also a special kind of contribution that is different than other land board members, right? So other, you know, the, the governor obviously sets the agenda for the land board, which is an incredibly important responsibility. Um, other members vote, but the attorney general is the one whose job it is in the constitution to go out and make sure that the values protected in our constitution are reflected in our state and are reflected in our government. And as you know, you know, Montana has this great, this great sort of founding principle in our constitution that it's for this and future generations. And a crucial part of that, when our constitution was written in the 1970s, was protecting a clean and healthful environment. And vindicating that promise, that hope, that aspiration is something the attorney general is supposed to do every single day. It's supposed to guide the priorities of that office, supposed to influence the decisions that are made in litigation, both affirmative litigation and defensive litigation. And I think it plays a role in the land board as well, um, not only in the votes that are cast, but in the way the attorney general uses the power of AG opinions, the power of litigation to make sure that those values are reflected in the work of our state and are protecting conservation in our state um, in all the in-between times and the land board isn't actually meeting. And it was, you, you mentioned, this was in the clip you played, 
but it was actually a, a dispute about the land board and a dispute about conservation that got me to run for this seat and that decided sort of tipped me over the balance to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to run this time. And it was, you know, you heard about it in the clip, but it was, it was essentially a dispute about whether um, good natured, um, honest, hardworking Montanans who were ranchers who wanted to do the right thing and wanted to make their land um, part of a conservation easement and protected forever. And in the process, open up all this additional public land, whether they could do that or whether Republican politicians could come in and for arbitrary ideological reasons, um, get involved and tell them no. And it was, it was the experience of watching my own attorney general, who was supposed to vindicate these values of a clean and healthful environment and the conservation values that are, that are you know, throughout our code and throughout our constitution, um, get in the way and become the, the but-for cause that prevented those folks from, from moving forward and, and dozens of other families like them. So um, I was proud that we stood up and proud that we fought in that case. And um, I, would, I would take the same attitude to the land board as attorney general, both vindicating those values on the land board isn't meeting. And um, I think I've shown I have no issue standing up to land board members who, who I think are doing the wrong thing. Well, that is a great promise to Montanans, so thank you. Um, as connected to our public lands is our ever-changing climate, and we've been seeing young people across the globe and in Montana stepping up to use their voices to heighten this um, conversation about our climate crisis. So as AG and a member of Montana's land board, how will climate change factor into the land management decisions that you make? Well, it goes back to what we were just talking about, which is the, the attorney general's core role is to promote the values of our constitution and make sure that outside of the legislature, outside of the stuff the governor does, that day to day through our legal system, uh, those constitutional values um, are given life, are animated. And that involves a whole series of choices about attorney general opinions, how those come down, the kinds of cases to take, the kinds of cases to defend and how to defend them. And historically, state attorneys general have had a really outsized role in creating the kinds of meaningful um, tectonic shifts in the nation's climate policy that we frankly haven't seen from Congress. Um, this One of the landmark cases in climate change came out of the state of Massachusetts. And we had the Massachusetts AG suing the federal government. It's a case called Massachusetts against EPA. And that case basically said states have the right to sue the federal government when the federal government reneges on its own environmental obligations. And I, I think that kind of approach is both unique to the AG's job and increasingly going to be important. Um, now, I'll say I think we have a real shot at winning back the Senate this year with uh, Governor Bullock in the race. And uh, if we could flip the U.S. Senate, I mean, that would really prompt. I think, a, a real chance for action on climate change, which is the existential crisis of our time. I mean, it's not just my issue. It's Genevieve's issue. It's the next generation's issue. Um, and it requires action now. But absent absent those kinds of big political changes in Congress, state AGs on their own um, can go out and make a real difference and, and hold the federal government accountable to taking meaningful action on climate change. And Montana, back to this, this promise of a clean and healthful environment, I really think we have a unique story to tell and a unique duty to tell that story in not just Montana fights, but in national fights about where are we going to go on climate and are we going to take it seriously for once and for all, or are we going to continue to kick the can down the road? And there's a real opportunity there for the right attorney general with the right priorities 
um, to get in there and advocate for us. So another threat other than climate change to our public lands right now is dark money. Um, We are seeing it still alive and well across our political landscape. It's threatening our natural landscapes, including our clean air, our water, our public lands. So in your current role as chief counsel for Governor Bullock, you've taken the war against dark money and politics straight on. Can you tell us about how you won the issue in the U.S. Supreme Court? Absolutely. And and this is is the issue that inspired me to work for Governor Bullock and um, gets me up every morning to go keep working for Governor Bullock. I mean, and I, I think he's, this is stealing a line from him, but he is totally right that if you, no matter what, what issue you care about, um, unless you solve the problem of money in politics, it will continue to be a bottleneck that prevents meaningful change on a whole range of other priorities, um, including like, for example, climate change, you know, until we fix money in politics, we're not going to really meaningfully fix climate change. And in Montana, there is this historical link in the last 10 years or so um, of anti-conservation forces using dark money as a tool to try to buy their way into elections. There's the very famous Supreme Court uh, race in 2014, maybe 2012, the, the, um, the McKinnon race, where a bunch of dark money came in, very, very focused on, on eliminating uh, public lands protections in Montana. And you see it all around. And actually, the the cases that made Steve Bullock famous on this issue, cases like American Tradition Partnership v. Bullock, which went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, um, the ideological program of those dark money groups was exclusively focused on stopping conservation in Montana, which is um, which is interesting. So in in our in my job now, I've been really proud to be part of the latest generation of, of the governor's fights against dark money. And I think what I'm most proud of is just a year ago this summer, um, we sued the Trump administration. The Trump administration thought um, that it could quietly change this obscure rule in the tax laws that required dark money groups to make at least some form of prima facie disclosure about the source of their donors, right? They would have to tell the IRS. And, and this makes sense, right? You don't, if Vladimir Putin you know, writes a check to the NRA, um, it's useful for someone to know that because that's illegal. Well, Trump tried to get rid of that rule, and Governor Bullock asked me to lead the litigation to challenge that. And we we sued the Trump administration in federal court in Great Falls, and it was um, I was proud. The Trump administration had to send their lawyers to Great Falls to tell a judge in Great Falls why what they had done was wrong. And I argued that case. I'm proud that we won that case, and that rule is gone as a result. And we didn't stop there. The next legislative session, I wrote a bill that banned the influence of foreign money in Montana elections, which shockingly, we didn't actually have a law that said no foreign money in state elections. There's already a federal law against that. Um, and that's a real issue in Montana. You've got a lot of um, natural resources interests in our state that are foreign owned. And so that's a that's an actual issue that we did some meaningful change on. Uh, we also started and passed the only executive order in the country that says if you want uh, taxpayer business, like you want a big state contract, you have to, um, as a contractor, disclose all of your dark money spending. And that's incredibly important because you don't want to have someone buy a politician on one hand and then turn around and get paid for it on the other. Um, this is something that Barack Obama tried to do and was halted by Republicans in Congress. Uh, but in Montana, we were able to get it done. And I'm incredibly proud to be part of that effort. Um, but you read the news the same way I do. Um, the Koch brothers, for example, have promised that in 2020, they will spend more money 
influencing Montana and national elections than ever before. So this is a problem that is not going away, that will continue to require vigilance, and I think the right person in the AG's office to, to push back. And even in this race, this race alone AG, the Republican AG Association, which is a dark money group, they have already reserved over a million and a half dollars of TV advertising in this race, which is, it's astonishing to do it this early. And that tells me one, dark money isn't going away, but two, they are running scared and they know that we can win this race. And so that's why I'm, I'm so, so happy to have MCV's support um, to keep up this fight because it's not going away. And we are there right with you. So ballots are in the mail next week. Can you tell us about Governor Bullock's all mail-in order that helps people vote safely during this next primary, which is June 2nd? Absolutely. And this order was really motivated by preventing the kind of debacle that we saw in Wisconsin, where people had to make the agonizing choice between exercising their constitutional right to vote and keeping themselves safe from the disease of COVID-19. The way the order works in Montana is, is just for this primary and then also for school board elections this, this spring, counties have the option of shifting the default from voting in person to voting by mail. Now, it's important to remember, this isn't a mail-only election. And so if it's important to you to go to the polls or if you don't have a stable address or if there are other challenges to receiving mail, um, there's actually a whole 30-day period starting um, May 8 where you can go into your local elections office and cast a ballot. And that was incredibly important to us, too, to have a, an expanded early vote period. But if you just um, go about your business, you're a normal registered voter, um, you will receive in the mail a ballot that will get shipped out on May 8th. So it will show up um, either Saturday the 9th or, or Monday uh, that following week. And you can cast that ballot by mail. And there are a couple of cool features to this. One, um, we used emergency funds. Uh, it's, I think it's called the emergency disaster account. In any event, this, this source of funding is used to cover the postage. And so um, this is often a barrier to people voting by mail. Is, you, know, you don't necessarily have a stamp and you shouldn't have to pay to send in your ballot. Well, if you just send your ballot in uh, without a stamp, it will get delivered and the state will pay for that, which is incredibly important and helpful. And again, if you want to vote in person, you can still do that, your county elections office for a whole 30-day period. Our hope with this is that we reduce the kinds of crowding that we saw in 2018, both in the primary and the general, um, to keep people safe, to reduce the transmission to the disease, and to make voting as easy and as accessible as possible. One final bit is we actually required counties that have um, reservations um, in them or part of reservations in them to set up satellite voting offices because we want to make sure that Indian country in particular is protected here and has the same access to voting and the same ease of voting that non-reservation counties do as well. And that, of course, is part of MCV's mission with uh, voters as part of our name. Um, so how is it best to follow your work and your campaign? And if people want to get involved, what should they do? The two things, uh, two, two good ways to follow along. One is our Facebook page. We, we write, routinely post updates. Um, we sort of follow along what we've been doing most recently, all the news articles. That's um, If you go on Facebook and you just search Rafe Graybill for Attorney General or facebook.com slash Rafe for AG, that is a great way to find out the latest on what we're doing. Uh, and then there's our normal website, rafegraybill.com. We just put up a Flickr page with some great new photos. Uh, we're going to be posting our first campaign ad on Friday, which is really exciting. That's going to go up uh, on air across the state. 
And the best way to help out with our campaign is there's two things you can do. One, you can volunteer. And volunteering in our primary, what it what it means is essentially talking to your friends, neighbors, and community members about our race. Um, this is still a really small state where person-to-person relationships really, really, really matter. In fact, they're the most important form of persuasion. And so if you want to volunteer, um, you can sign up through our website. You can sign up through our Facebook page or email me, um, which is rafe at rafegraybell.com. And we'd love to get you involved in talking to people you know who we think might be amenable to our message. The other thing that helps always is donating. Um, Montana has really, really good campaign finance laws, which means that um, you know you can't raise that much money from any one person, which is good. It also means that uh, the influence of outside groups like these dark money groups is really big. And so $5 donations, $10 donations from individual people makes a really big difference to us and um, helps get us across the finish line. Well, this is exciting. Thank you so much, Rafe, for taking time out of your busy day, especially when you've got a campaign going on in addition to your normal job with Governor Bullock and being a husband and father. So we really appreciate you and look forward to hearing more. Thank you. We want to note that MCV's endorsements are not made by the staff of MCV, the Independent Board of Directors of the Montana Conservation Voters Action Fund, and the MCV Congressional Action Fund makes all endorsement decisions and does not make decisions based on political party affiliation. All candidates, regardless of political affiliation, are welcome to seek MCV's endorsement. I want to note before we close out this week that MCV Cast is now on Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher is the app that I've been using for about 10 years and highly recommend it if you don't use it. Find us there and we expect to be up on iTunes very soon. And we, of course, are still on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at MT Voters. And please remember that we are continuing to collect videos from our young voices across Montana to talk about what they're concerned about. You can turn your videos in at mcv at mtvoters.org. And as we sign off today, we'll leave MCV's endorsed candidate for Attorney General Rafe Grable with the final word from his campaign video. We're ready for change, and we are building the campaign that can win this election in November. I'm asking for your vote, because together we can elect an Attorney General who works for Montanans again. Thank you very much.